Good morning. Good morning. Now we get to the conversation of paying tuition. Does paying tuition count as miser? How much of tuition can we view as a, as a tzedakah in contrast to as paying for a service? Obviously, it's a massive question. And uh, there are many hagdamos, many, I guess... Uh, Kind of more fundamental ideas we'll approach first, building up to the ultimate child of tuition and analyzing is there a difference between boys and girls. Take a look at page two. We left off, we didn't mention the Gemara and Beya and other places. The Gemara says, any which means any obligation you have, paying for that obligation would not be considered miser. Okay. So the classic example would be paying for a pair of tefillin, paying for lulav and esrog. These are all chiyuvim that I have. The money I spend on that mitzvah cannot be considered miser. Now the Ramon Yeridayas in Reish Memtas, he seems to take this even further he says, You should not use your miser money for a mitzvah item. For example, donating candles to the shul. Oshar devar mitzvah. Or any other mitzvah. Rak yitnenu la'aniyim. Miser money should go to aniyim. Sounds like from the Ramah, he really takes this idea of not using miser money for a mitzvah uh, and expands it, not only for a mitzvah that's a chov like tefillin or lulav, but even donating something, which shot, we would view as just a nice thing, it's a form of tzedakah, the Ramah seems to say, don't count that as miser. And the shach comes along here at Sifkat and Gimel, and he quotes from the Maram Mirathenberg, who seems to argue on this, and the shach is more mekel, Shach was of the opinion that using money to be mekayim a mitzvah, some of the examples, he says, would be uh, to be a sandak at a bris, you want to pay for that opportunity, or for chasen and kala. One example of what the shach means of chasen and kala is, let's say, you have a friend getting married in a different, uh, a different state, and he invites you to the wedding, you'd love to go, or maybe you wouldn't love to go, it makes no difference, really. <laughs> However, by you being there, you're going to be misameach, the chasen and kala. Your presence will make a difference. So the question is, for me to buy a ticket right now would be very difficult. Can I say, you know what? I'm going to use Meiser, mitzv- Meiser money to be Makayim, this mitzvah, to do this chesed. So according to the shach, the answer seems to be that that's okay. That's okay. It's not going to a niyim. Theoretically, the chesed and kala are very comfortable. So it's not about helping them financially, but to be Makayim, the mitzvah of being Mesameh, chesed and kala, then you could use most Meiser towards that goal. And this, Lemaisa, we'll see the hachra in the, uh, from Shlomo Zaman Arobach in a moment regarding this conversation with the Ramah and the Shach. But one important line in the Shach 
is that he says, Lefazer Masrosov Lebonov Hagedolim, to spend your miser money for your older children, Sheino Chayiv Letapel Behem Mutter, where you're no longer obligated to take care of them, that's permissible to spend miser money on that. So we're picturing a case, you have a son who's 43, and he's not quite making it, and you want to help him out. So Avada, that's Meiser. The Shach, though, clarifies in Simon Reishon and Aleph in Yeridea that really any child above six, any child above six, the Gemara and Ksuba seems to say, and not officially obligated to, to give them Mizonos from the, uh, the standpoint of a father, father's obligation to his child. Now, obviously, if you're the only one that could take care of them, so then there would be a mitzvah of tzedakah. But officially, the Gemara seems to say that above six, your uh, supporting and, and being mefarnes, your children, is viewed as tzedakah. So the shach was of the opinion that any money you're spending on children above six years old can be considered miser because it's no longer a dover It's not an obligation. So we'll have to see how this fits in with other postkip. Take a look now on page three. Any expense, it depends if, you know, you're spending $400 on a, on a Wii or <laughs> I'm not sure that counts. That sounds like the but to take care of them, right. Well, don't you have a chiyuv to the kid, to teach the kid Oh, so we're going to get involved with two separate chiyuvim. One is how, how long does the obligation last on the parent to support the child with mizonos? And then how long does the obligation last to be, to, to teach them Torah? Are those two things connected or are they shnei dinim nifrodim? Well, Chomish, we said, is that generally speaking, when it comes to tzedakah, you, uh, you're not allowed to give more than 20%, with many exceptions. And so your children, if there's no one else to be mefarnes them, that would be one of the exceptions. <laughs> I want I to share with you, there's a, uh, a small tshuva from Shlomo Zaman Arabach. This is the middle of page three. This is coming from the Kuntras Kol Torah, <laughs> where basically... The Shaili was asked, do we paskin more like the Ramah that Meiser should only be given to Aniyim or Lom de Torah? That's the other classic example of, of Meiser. Or can we be more lenient like the Shach, Bishem the Moram Miratenberg, who held you could spend your Meiser money on other mitzvot or on other chasadim? Lom de Torah is exclusive, not because the person's an Ani. It just means the support Torah, right? So if you want to person wants to sponsor a shear that 20 people will come learn at, does that count as... Yes, yes. That's for sure l'chadchila. That's for sure l'chadchila. If you want to sponsor a Sunday morning shear, Tuesday night shear, right, contribute to the 6 a.m. chabura, or to the new East Boca night kolel, that's all l'chadchila, yes. So says Roshlom Zaman Arabach, and this is another opportunity for us to say a uh, condition on our Chiyuv Meiser together. V'inyan nesinas mo'os Meiser over kinias mitzvos b'beis ha'kinesis. Something we're a big fan of. Can you spend money, your Meiser money, to purchase mitzvos in shul? Money given at a mishaberach or those types of things. 
So it says of Shlomo Zaman Arbach that it makes sense that one should lahatnos meirosh b'shas hafrasha shikach yesh b'dayto linhog. We established that the chiv of giving meiser, technically speaking, is a minig. It's a minig that we all strive to to be mekayim, assuming financially we're able to do so. Because it's a, it's a minig, we're able to make certain stipulations in how we're trying to accept that minig upon ourselves, bli neder. So last week we said, what, what was the condition we made last week? That bli neder. Bli neder, right? That's the first thing. Chafetz Chaim told us we should always take on Meiser Bli Neder. So if there's one time we, we forget or we're derelict in our, in our uh, Chiyuv, it should not be viewed as, as breaking a Neder. Now we have a chance for a second condition. Everyone raise your right hand, please. I, I insert your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hereby... <laughs> Solemnly, no, we're not going to swear right now. I hereby accept upon myself, Bli Neder, that all money I spend for Meiser can be used for mitzvos as well. Whereas... I, know, I just had to say where I was. <laughs> okay. Uh, there we have it. We're good. Does that mean Davka mitzvah in the shul? So let's say you have a totally theoretical case of a shul that has like this weird there's nothing kind of thrown during Kiddush <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, so I, I don't know much about a shul like that but my, my the tea would be any money given to that shul would be mamish bottle nolan void that would not count as miser that's not a makam <laughs> now the bottom line is any money given to a shul is money given to a shul so it could be to purchase an aliyah or it can be something silly but with this stipulation of Rav Shlomo Zalman, now every dollar we give to the shul can be considered meiser. L'chuli Are you supposed to deduct the cost, like the benefit you receive? So let's say you get the, the throne. Enough from that. Are you supposed to value that? Less? So, so, so the truth is we're going to get into that discussion when we address shul dues. Right? How much of what I'm paying is just paying for a service? And then what can we say is considered meiser? But what I want to focus on just for a moment, we, we mentioned this conversation more parenthetically about other mitzvos, but let's get back to the shach. The shach said any money spent on a child more than six years old is considered miser, and he seems to be just quoting a Gemara Ksubis. Let's take a look now on the bottom of page three. The Orcha Shulchan says, V'chein schar limud shemeshalim ba'ad bonav haketanim when it comes to paying for schar limud, somebody to teach your, your small or your young son's Torah, that cannot be counted as meiser. Why not? That's a mitzvah unto itself. So that sounds fairly straightforward. 
if there's an obligation to teach one's son Torah, so then any money I pay towards being Makayim that Chiyu is not considered Miser. What's considered a young child is that six-year-old So the Pashib Shad is not, like Rabbi Yisrael was saying, six years old is regarding a Chiyu of Mizonos, taking care of them, supporting them, giving them food. The Chiyu of Talmud Torah, we'll see, is going to be beyond six. Take a look at the Abbas Chesed. Says the Chafetz Chaim, So along the same lines of the Aruch HaShulchan, to pay for somebody to teach your son Torah, that's going to be Asr L'Chul meaning you can't count that as Meiser. The Zahavi Mitzvah, Shemachayiv Ba'at Mu'alamed Lebanav, you, the father, are to teach your sons, oh, lischer lehem melamed, or if it's not practical, to hire a melamed to do so. And you can't pay your chov from meiser. However, says the Chafetz Chaim, if you're paying for melamed for other children, where their families can't afford it, so obviously, that's considered meiser. So that's the Aruch HaShulchan and the Chafetz Chaim. Let's for a moment analyze, and this will have obviously a direct nafkamina on the sugi of Meiser, but let's take a moment and analyze what exactly is the chiv Talmud Torah, of teaching one, son, one son's Torah. So the Shulchan Aruch in Yerodeya Reish Memhei, the Mechaber tells us, Mitzvah saseh al ha'ish lelamed es beno Torah. Mitzvah on the father to teach his son Torah. And if his father does not teach him Torah, so then the son himself, when he's of age, he's chayv to teach himself Torah. That was Sif Aleph. Let's jump to Sif Gimel. Kishem shemitzvah lilmud es beno, kach mitzvah lilmud es ben beno. Just like you have an obligation to teach your son Torah, you also have the same chiyuv. I wouldn't say the same, but you also have a chiyuv to teach your grandson Torah. Like it says, Not only that, <coughs> really every Chacham, Yisrael, has an obligation to teach Talmidim. And your Talmidim are called Banim. But your son comes before your grandson, and your grandson comes before other, other people's children. So, you're Chayev to teach your son Torah, you're Chayev to teach your grandson Torah, does that mean if I can't take Meiser from paying a Malamed to teach my son because that's a Chov, according to this, I can't take Meiser if I'm paying a Malamed to teach my grandson? Or other people's children, which would be there. Well, right other people's reason. children, that makes sense. Other, well, oh, you're saying other people's children, right. If that's all part of my obligation. That's a steer to what we said before. So what seems to be happening here is that although the Mechaber is kind of grouping these three categories together, <laughs> clearly from the last, the last case of other people's children, that's not a din of chinuch, right? That, that's a general universal obligation. We have to make sure the Jewish children have an education. So if I have to make sure you have an education, if I'm paying for that, that's classic tzedakah. So then it very well could be that even paying for a grandchild, maybe that's also considered tzedakah. 
Right, so this is an interesting question, which will, will come at Halacha Lemaisa, that only paying for one's child, we say that's a Dabr Shabachova, that's your unique obligation as a parent, that cannot be taken from Meiser. The assumption, though, is if you're paying for grandchildren, so that could be considered Meiser. Let's just finish up this Mechaber and Sifdalid. Chayiv lehazchir melamed lebeno lelamdo. When it comes to hiring someone else, if you can't teach them yourself, so you're obligated to hire someone to teach your son, but you're not obligated to teach someone, someone else's son. Okay. So according to this, right, you make the application to schools nowadays and the issue of tuition. If we view tuition as char limud, that I'm paying for the school, for the rebbeim to teach my son Torah, so then clearly that cannot be considered meiser. We'll get into some of the details in a moment, but that's, that's the general <laughs> assumption based on looking at what the chi of Talmud Torah is. So two questions on that. First of all, when you pay X amount of money, it's also going to English curriculum. It's also going to to, to playgrounds and the things. That, that was included in what I said. That we're going to get to the oh, details in a moment. Details. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. What was the other one? The other question was the the as far as the 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 if a person pays <clears throat> full tuition, is the assumption that you're also filling the pot for other people that can't. So a portion of your full tuition could go... Yes, we're going we're gonna to get there in a moment as well. Okay, I want to build upwards, though. The question is like this. The Gemara says at age six, you're no longer officially obligated mitzad, the fact that you're the parent, to support your kid. Now it just becomes tzedakah. What age do we say you're no longer obligated as the father to teach your son Torah? Right? Likely that doesn't end at age six. Is it 13? Is it, you know, the Gemara Kedushin speaks about, the Gemara quotes the Drosha, the Pasuk of Hanoch Lanar Pidarko, and then we have two opinions. What's the most <coughs> ideal time to really be Mechanech a child? One Shita is from 16 to 22, and one Shita is from 18 to 24. So let's take a look here at the Shulchan Aruch HaRav. He gives us the basic Gedarim as to uh, what's considered teaching my son Torah and what's that cutoff point where I can now say, I've accomplished my obligation, and if I want to continue helping him learn, maybe at that point, it's considered miser. So says the Shulchan Aruch HaRav, We have the entire oral Torah now written down. You don't have to hire someone to teach your son the entire Torah Shabal Peh, because Baruch Hashem, he could own his own shas in the Mishnayis. The only thing you have to do is hire someone that will teach your son to understand most places in Talmud, probably only Talmud Bavli, and, right, halachos and in-depth sugios with Rishonim and Achronim. 
and to bring him to a place that through his analysis of these sugyas, he could come to halacha lemaisa clarity. You want to get your son to a place where he has the tools to be able to be ma'ayin into the Talmud, Rishonim, Achronim, and come out with halacha lemaisa. Then you've set your son up for success. This takes him up to about age 40. Um, <laughs> I was asking myself how many lifetimes, but okay. Let, let's do a little bit of weiter here. Then he says something very intriguing. He'll be able to learn the entire Tanakh and the Drashos. He says, that's why nowadays we don't teach children the entire Tanakh like they did in the olden times. The main thing we focus on is Chumash. Because we assume that when he gets to be older, right, throughout his, let's say, upper yeshiva years and in his 20s and 30s, then obviously he'll go through the rest of Nevi'im and Kesuvim by himself. Like Yecheskel and Yeshaya and Yirmiya, right, and Treyasar. Navishir. Navishir. Now what's Pshat? Because in the olden days... Right, this has to be understood. If you're going to tell me before Torah Shabbal Peh was written down, then part of the obligation was to teach your son the entirety of Torah Shabbal Peh. That makes sense. He needs it from you. And nowadays, the main thing is getting the skills to, to read it and to learn it yourself. But when it comes to Torah Shabbal Neviim and Ksuvim, why would that change? We've always had Torah Shabbal and if that was part of the educational process before, why is that different now? So the Shulchan Aruch Harab explains, he says, in the olden days, they didn't really have the timim, the, the explanations and the actual, you know, uh, nakudos to be helpful with. And therefore, there was much more of a need to really teach your son hands-on, Nevi'im Ksuvim. Now the main thing is to give him the skills he needs to be on his own. We're going to skip the rest of this piece because it's somewhat depressing. Okay. But what he said in a nutshell is that the obligation of teaching your son Torah does not stop at six years old. It's based on giving him the tools he needs to be able to learn on his own. Let's assume theoretically that would mean through high school would not be miser. Right? Just practically speaking, to really have any havamina of opening up a Gemara, for, for many children, that might not be until first, second year base medrash. But at least we'll assume that through high school, that's all included in the obligation of teaching your sons the, the skills and the tools they need to be able to learn on their own. <laughs> I'll pretend I didn't hear that. Okay. Let's see Ozayan though. 
Not only is the father obligated to pay for a, a Rebbe to teach his son Torah, if he can't do it himself, but everything else included in enabling your son to learn in a different city, so to pay for his room and board, to pay for his shawarma, right? Now he has a chilek. When it comes to schar limud, if you're not paying for a rebbe to teach your, your son Torah, and you're not doing it yourself, Bastin will come, knock down your door, and make you teach your son Torah. However, when it comes to paying for the other expenses necessary, so then Bastin is not kofen al mikol mokom mitzvah it's a tremendous mitzvah. And it's included in the mitzvah of teaching your son Torah. So there's a lot we could unpack here if we had more time, but we're going to keep this suitcase closed for now. What he's saying, though, clearly is that you're obligated to pay for the, the intrinsic, the schar the, limud, the and also for room and board or anything else your son needs to facilitate that limud. So let, now we come to the application. That gets rid of the six-year-old thing. It's not the book. So I think most of us would have guessed that. We just have to explain why. Why? Well, you want your kid to go to school when he's seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, all those years. You have to take care of him. So, so let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Right, you, you, you're obligated to teach your son Torah. So paying for the schar, limud, that's a chov, and therefore that can't be considered miser. So Rabbi Safran's saying, okay, one, one prerequisite to teach your son Torah is to keep him alive. Right, it's, it's very difficult to teach a child if he's not living, right? <laughs> so he's saying, if you have to keep him alive in order to teach him Torah, so then you have a chiyuv to provide mizonos for him. If you have a chiyuv to provide mizonos for him, might that be a reason why we would say that bizman hazeh, it's not considered tzedakah, good svarah. Yes, doctor. Huh? Not Yes, yes, and another part of that cheshman as well, which is theoretically you could say, listen, you're already six years old, okay? The fact that I'm supporting you is ridiculous. <laughs> really, you should be out getting a job like most mature boys your age. However, I understand that if you were to do that, then you wouldn't be able to learn. So I want to provide you sustenance in order to learn. Okay, these are all good svaras. Oh. So let's get halacha lemaisa here for a moment. Paying for tuition, it would seem based on this conversation in the Shulchan Aruch HaRav, he is gather of what the chi of Talmud Torah is, or being malamed your son Torah, all throughout high school, at least for a boy, where there's a chi to teach him Torah, 
it would seem like that cannot be considered miser. Okay. Let's take a look here at Ramosha. Ramosha is speaking about paying tuition for girls' schools. And within this tshuva, he gets involved with some very fundamental halachos regarding miser for tuition in general. We're on page five. He says, regarding the shayla, if it's uh, okay... Wow, Armin Shmuel Brody. That was back in 1968 when he was a young man. <laughs> uh, the, the scary thing is when, when, you're, when you're talking to like high school boys or girls and you'll mention some random date as to what you were doing somewhere in the world in the 1950s, they don't flinch. They don't flinch. <laughs> I'll say, no, I remember in, in 1952, I was at, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, so are you allowed to use Meiser for paying girls' tuition? It sounds like you should be. There's not a chi of Talmud Torah, so then it should be paying, uh, paying money for, for a mitzvah of having my, my girls educated and learning Torah. That's also a mitzvah. We had that whole shear about girls learning Torah. And the Rambam tells us that even though it's not a chiyuv, but they're being makayim the mitzvah, if and when they do so. So, vaday yesh chiluk bein banim lebanos midina. Ramosha says, of course, there, there is a distinction that a father has a chiyuv to teach his son Torah, and that same chiyuv does not apply to his daughter. However, he says, b'medina seinu kan. Very, very deep svara. Right, this, is the, this is the requirement of having pleitsus, broad shoulders, right? He says, we live in America, and we know that there is a law that children have to go to school. And Baruch Hashem, we live in a, in a country that allows for religious, uh, you know, at least has some level of tolerance for religion, and we could have our own schools. So it comes out, if I don't send my daughter to the new base Yaakov of Boca Raton, and to have a math teacher like Dr. Sloan, if I'm not sending my girl to Beis Yaakov, so then I'm sending her to a public school. And she'll be obviously exposed to a whole environment lacking Torah and Amunah. Obviously, says Ramosha, you might not have a technical chiv of Talmud Torah when it comes to your daughter, but you have a chiv to be madrich them in a derech ayosha, the derech ha-Torah. Let's analyze this briefly. If you were living in some shtetl in the middle of nowhere and there was no 
no obligation from a legal standpoint that kids have to go to school. Most people were just totally uneducated. By the time you're six or seven, you're already working and the girls are helping at home and, you know, slaughtering chickens and salting them, washing clothing by the river. That's what everybody did. So when it comes to your boy, you have to pay money. That's a Dabr Shebechova for him to learn Torah. That can't be considered miser. When it comes to your girls, if you wanted to hire someone to teach them Torah, that's not a Dabr Shebechova. That's just a nice mitzvah. That is considered miser. But living in America, what are your options? Option A is send to a base Yaakov and be inspired and come closer to God. Option B is send her to public school and endanger her entire future of being a Bas Yisrael. So since you have to send her to a school, and the other option of, 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 of if you don't go to Beis Yaakov as a public school, then you're mechuyiv to send to a Beis Yaakov. Dover Shebechova cannot be considered miser. Interesting story. Long before they came to the United States, back in Europe, they started the Beis Yaakov movement. They thought it was absolutely necessary for girls to get educated. Why don't you just use that as the sword? <clears throat> Safford's asking, why do you need this particular chiddush of dinner de Malchuso? Let's say back in Europe, the reason the Gedolim signed off on the Beis Yaakov movement is because it was a necessity. Right? That was the, the discovery of uh, Sarishnir. They felt that girls needed this. But they didn't and have all schools in Europe, so it was different. No, but the question is, wouldn't that be enough of a Dover Shebechova to say that it can't be considered miser. It's a riot. riot that something that you have to do versus something that they're saying, okay, we must do this because it's important. Meaning here it's the law, and therefore you, you, you have to follow Al-Tadim Demachusa. The other way, it's not Dina Demachusa, it's something that we should do to be Matzah Klaish also, and that doesn't make the same thing. No, this is a greater danger. This is a stronger sparrow. She'll stay home and not do anything. She won't get negatively. His whole starting point assumes that if there was no law, that you had to send kids to school regardless, then they could just stay home and they wouldn't be lost. By staying home and in your Jewish from household, they would so be from or whatever. I assume that's a starting point, but though. But you're saying that if, if we assume... <laughs> no, I'm saying that the point is a good one, which is... If that wasn't the case... They have to be the starting point, because otherwise, why did they start? Oh. So, Lemais, these are all good questions. One could ask maybe even further to, uh, to stir the pot. One could ask further. Let's say nowadays you're allowed to do homeschooling. Right? Totally legal to do homeschooling. So maybe now Ramosha's Chiddush wouldn't apply. I don't have to send my girl to public school. Now, is it a lot better to send to a regular school that she could mamish be in the environment of from girls? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm not sure that would have the same concern. You're not really there. Mm. Let's do this because the hour is late, right? In, in the sugya of Meister intuition, this Reb Moshe is a must see, and Baruch Hashem we saw it, right? Um, I, I want to though jump to his last paragraph here. Last paragraph of this tshuva. He says, 
Nikr shehu marviach pochos mikadei hotsaso, shemidina potter. Regarding this particular showel, the one asking the question, Ramosh is concluding, it sounds like by the, your presentation, you're not really making enough money to officially be chayiv meiser, like we spoke about last week. Right? You have to have enough to support yourself and pay your monthly, your monthly budget. Ki parnasas atzmo kodem l'chol adam. Because your own parnasa taking care of your own family that has kadima over other people. It is a Maila and it's a Midas Chasidus to give Maisa to Tzedakah. But to be Machmir, if it's going to be detrimental to your own family, right, that much you don't have to do. This is a very important paragraph, but not the one I was looking for. Let's jump back, right, end of the previous paragraph. That's the, that's the hachra of Ramosha. His conclusion is, it seems that even for girls' tuition, one should not count it as meiser. Whatever is appropriate according to your parnasa. Whatever is appropriate for you to be paying in tuition, that cannot count as miser. Now he's talking for both boys and girls. And if they, they meaning the tuition committee, if they're asking more than you feel realistically you can do based on your parnasa, you could take the rest meaning you could take every penny more than you're able to do from miser money. So it comes out, and this is a very important Chiddush of Ramosha, there are two steps when it comes to tuition. Both boys and girls, the general assumption would be you cannot count it as miser. When it comes to girls, there are other post-game lemaisa who debate Ramosha, and therefore maybe there's more room to be flexible if there's a real shasad chak. But the general assumption is tuition we don't view as miser. Alone mentioned, or maybe Chaim or everyone mentioned, right, that if you know the actual cost of your child, now how do you actually know what that is? Let's say you take the annual budget, you divide it by how many students there are, and it comes out that every student officially costs $10,000, and tuition is $15,000. So then if I'm paying full tuition, $5,000 is for sure considered miser because that's going to help other children where their families cannot afford the tuition. They can't even afford the 10000 So that's poshit. Ramosh is saying another level chiddush. Let's say I'm not paying $15,000 and I'm not even paying $10,000, which is the actual cost of my child. I'm paying $8,000. However, me paying $8,000 per child based on how much I'm making is ridiculous. It doesn't make, if you were to speak to any financial advisor in the world and he would see just you know, proportionately how much money is going to, towards tuition, he, he would say this is reckless and irresponsible. 
So my wife and I sit down, we make a cheshbin, trying to push ourselves, right? Like we mentioned last week, the goal is not trying to avoid paying mice or paying for schar limud chas v'shalom. The goal is to push oneself to the max. But even pushing ourselves, we come up with a cheshbin. If we could do $5,000 per kid, given the amount of kids we have, you know, that much we could barely do where it's still viewed as responsible. But Lamaisa, we're not paying 5000 we're paying 8000 per kid. Says Ramosha, even though it's less than the actual cost of the child, $3,000 per child is considered Miser. That's the Chiddush of Ramosha. Let's say there's a program called Step Up that pays you automatically $8,000 per child or $7,500. Does that count towards your Eeyuk? But anything you pay above that... So surprisingly, I've received this question before. <laughs> so what would you say? The Pashim shot is, if there was no step up, and instead I had to go to my wealthy aunt, and she gave the school $7,000 for my child. Lemaisa, that's money the school's making for my child's education. So it seems to me that that's all considered... You know, payment for the, the schar limud. And therefore, if I'm paying, let's say again, my child's $10,000. I'm getting seven from step up. Then the three more that I'm paying on top of that is not considered miser. However, if I'm not paying 3000 but I'm paying 5000 so then obviously 2000 is considered miser. That's more than the cost of my child. Now, I, I want to conclude here with halacha lemais on a few levels because we can't have a part two of this. <laughs> Once it's like number 18 in the series, you can have a part two of it. Halacha Lemaisa, all throughout high school, paying for a boy's tuition, l'chuli alma, is not considered miser. The assumption would be post-high school, if you're paying for base medrash, that would be considered miser. Because then they have the basic tools they need to be able to learn. It's no longer a dover shebechova, Payment for a yeshiva would be miser. And kol shikane, paying for a seminary, right? You know, whatever the fifty, sixty thousand dollars is for a seminary. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> Even the boys behind in learning, you still see him still apply? That's the general assumption. There, there could be, there could be uh, you know, exceptions to that. But we assume that to be the case. I want to point out one very important thing, though. Sorry, with the seminary, is that the whole amount? Including oh. room and so the truth is, both for seminary and post-high school yeshiva, it's pretty much the same shayla, because be'etzim, they're both considered miser. However, the tzedakah mishpat, this is from Rabbi Yishaya Blau, Zeicher Tzadik Levrocha, he was the author of the Pischei uh, Choshen, one of the masters of Choshen mishpat we had in our, in our century. He says like this. He says that when you're paying for older children post high school to, uh, to continue in yeshiva or seminary, the tuition itself is considered miser. However, you make the calculation, how much money would I spend on them if they were home? Room and board and food. So let's say I average about 5,000. So I'm saving $5,000 by them not being here. So then that you would take off. That's not considered miser. If I'm paying $20,000 for the yeshiva or for the seminary, so then I take off 5000 because I'd have to pay that anyway, that's viewed as a dover shebechova. 
Now, why would I have to pay that anyway if they're over six years old? Over six years old, I thought we said from the Gemara and the Shach is considered tzedakah. Okay, so the truth is it's, it's even deeper than that. We're not going to have time to go into this discussion, but Ramosha has also a breakthrough tshuva where he says, paying for your children their mizonos above six, even if there's no technical direct obligation from father to child, it's part of the chiyuv ksuva of mizonos to your wife. And he brings a raya from Shas that... <clears throat> part of the, the obligation of supporting your spouse is to support her children as well. Why is there no din the here? You can't neglect your kids before 18. If you neglect them, they'll be arrested or whatever. They'll take your kids away. You can't neglect your kids. Well, the question is like this. Even in halacha, you can't neglect your kids, right? <laughs> but but, but it's, it's viewed as, as tzedakah. Meaning, Lema said, they're a neem who are living in my household and I'm the one who can take care of them. Right? Why is it six? What? What's the concept of six? You have to be ma'ayin in the Gemara and Ksubis. But halacha lomaisa... Someone's divorced, though. Oh, so it comes out according to this cheshman of Ramosha. If someone's no longer married, so then, you could argue, the money you're paying to support your children above six would be considered tzedakah. And if that was the case, getting back to this son or daughter who's going to either yeshiva or seminary... So then you wouldn't even take off the 5,000. That's what it comes out according to Ramosha. So here are some of the, the basic principles. Halakha lemaisa, And conceptually, wishing everybody a wonderful day and a happy Thanksgiving.